Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden, where I'm pretty excited that we have somebody with us that's you know been with BDJ for a couple of years. Um, Bethany, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Good, good to hear your voice. Thanks for joining us. It's good to be back on here. Yeah. Hey, um, I wanted to talk with you because we're doing something I think which is pretty exciting, uh, which is a daily devotional for people around the world. Yes, we are, the Chasing Revival. And you have been the one that's been putting that together, getting that uh, ready for our web designer so that he can put that up on our webpage every single day. And one of the reasons why I thought it would be great to talk with you is because you're one of the people that led your church in the Chasing Revival series when it first came out. Yeah, we did. A few, I think, what, maybe two years ago now? And um, when it first came out, yeah, we did the nine-week um, study with our whole church. And how did that go? <laughs> it went really well, but I think <laughs> the the biggest thing was kind of preempting people that it's an incredibly unique uh, Bible study. And so initially, I think people were, they weren't sure what to make of it. And um, we did it in our small group. So um, we got all the material for our church and then we kind of gave each uh, small group leader the material. And actually each group did it slightly differently. I think there's a little bit of movement in the study to be able to tailor it the way you want to do it. But it brought out amazing discussion. I think that was the key the key thing. It kind of, you know, it hit a couple nerves, but um, it resulted in really, really productive conversations, I think. Yeah, it, it when you are when you are saying that you know it's it's not, it's not easy for people to understand it. Maybe in the in the beginning, it's good to preemptively explain it. Um, it was it was written in a really strange way. Granted, I understand that, I get it, but it was we tried to do it in a non traditional form. I've done a lot of Bible study series before. You know, thirty days, ten days, fifteen days, what have you. And one of the things that I have found is that I find that we are sometimes as authors, as individuals that are putting together these studies are restricted by the format, the format that says you have to have 30 days, you know, no less, no more. The format that says you can only have 400 words per day or 500 words or whatever. The format that says you must follow this formula every day, you know, Give a quote, something pithy, something you know profound. Um, you must start off with a joke or a personal story. You know, there's these formulas, especially in American-based, which are really big right now around the world, uh, Bible studies. And so I, I thought, because I've I've done those before, right? So I thought, what if, just crazy talk here, what if God doesn't speak to me in 500 word, 500 <laughs> words or less? What if? 
What if God says something more? Do I cut him off at 500? Do I, do I put everything down and then go through an edit stage where all of his good, glorious work is then you know cut down to 500 words? Or what if in, in, at a certain time, at a certain stage of what God was revealing to us, he's you know really exercising the power of brevity and I don't have 500 words, then do I add fluff? to what you know, God has shown or what was revealed during that time? Do I add things that are absolutely meaningless in order to fit that format? So what you are saying is absolutely correct. There, there is a challenge with the format, like it doesn't, the weekdays, for instance, you know, we just had nine weeks, there's nine parts. Some weekdays have less than seven days of material. Some weekdays mm-hmm. have more than seven days of material. How does that work? for a Bible study. Um, some of the days are pretty long and can get windy. Um, other days are pretty short and have very little, you know, to say, um, what to make of that. How did, how, so how did you deal with, you know, these, these changes? Yeah, I will say if you're doing the study yourself, I don't think it really comes up with any problem whatsoever, right? Cause you can do it at your own pace. Um, when we did it with our entire church, you're trying to keep everyone somewhat on the same page or at least kind of hitting the same goalposts every week, you know, and they're meeting once a week. So um, the way we did it was every time the groups would meet together, they would watch um, one of the videos for the end of that week. So they would go away and everybody would be given um, all the material And if they had time to read the devotional every day, great, amazing. But as you say, there may be one one part, let's call it that, um, which has 10 days in it. And so if you're trying to fit that into one week, that doesn't always work out perfectly. Uh, Likewise, you could have a part with, you know, four days in it. Um, So we gave people the flexibility to do that. Some people read all of the content. Um, and some people didn't manage to read any, but we brought everybody back together every single week um, to talk through the video, the discussion questions, and it's still you're still able to do it uh, in that way. That's and, and what was what was the response? Were there people like this is just too confusing? Oh yeah, no problem, it's understandable. Because to me, okay, five seconds, explain it, I got it. But sometimes <laughs> it feels like some people just <laughs> take extra love. Um, extra patience. Yeah, I think because I kind of gave each connect uh, small group leader uh, the responsibility, they kind of governed the way that their group did it. So, for example, we have a um, a workbook that we can talk about that if you want that goes alongside the devotional. Um, some groups chose to use that on the weeks where they met together, and some groups didn't. So. For example, if you have a, a part with, you know, 10 days in it, there might be one group that chose to do kind of a, a tiny bit from every day to get an overview of all 10 days. And then you had other groups that chose to really hone in on one day um, that maybe really impacted where one particular person. And they would spend the whole of that week talking about that one thing. So people did it different ways. That's really cool. That's kind of what I was thinking uh, as we put out the material that there may be people that try to go through, you know, there, there are individuals that are task masters. And so they probably have this checklist, like we're going to make it through this checklist, whether you like it or not, 
during this Bible study. And then there's other people that might be a little bit more sensitive and be like, you know what, right now, this subject alone with, you know, not looking at every question that needs to be answered, but this one subject might be a big piece to kind of, for us to chew on during our meeting together. What did you eventually do? Um, well, I didn't have a group myself, so I just oversaw. And, and I mean, I think I kind of wanted to be the taskmaster you're talking about, right? I, because I love the study and I went through it myself first and, and I wanted to force people to read every day and to, you know, forget about their lives and, and just forget about feeding their kids and read all the content so that we're ready when we come back together on, one, on you know, on the weekday. But you can't do that because people have to have to work through at their own pace. And, uh, you know, you don't want people to resent the study before they've even, even done it. So I just think you have to take a person-by-person -person approach of if you're going to do the study yourself, it's so easy um, to navigate through. But if you're doing it in a group, you know, you have to be more, more flexible. But I don't think it's necessarily the way that it's um, constructed that, that kind of um, is so unique about it. It's the content. I mean, that's what really came back of people saying they were not expecting to read what they were reading. And what specifically, what, like, can you give me an example? What kind of content pops out to you that uh, was a bit unexpected for the, the people that were in part of the Bible studies? I think in, it's kind of the entirety, right? Because if I hear the Bible study, I, I know what it's going to be before I've read it, if that makes sense. So if I'm reading a Bible study on Psalms, there's no, there's no surprises in that, right? There's no shock. Um, but if I'm reading a study called Chasing Revival, I have no idea what that entails. So from, from the way that it follows from Jerusalem, Asia Minor, and out all the way through to like America and China, people are not expecting to keep jumping to these different countries and, and following um, the moves of God like it does. So I think just, if that makes sense, the way that the, the devotional moves uh, through the content is, is what people were surprised by. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of see that and I kind of expected that a, a little bit because I was surprised. So when I when we did the videos, for instance, it was six years of, of work and traveling and uh, filming and a lot of the stuff was discovery. So if it feels like you're doing this Bible study and you're kind of learning along with us while we're doing the video, so it's this, the, the, together we are doing this exploration. If you feel that way, it was not edited to feel that way. It really was that way. Like I was learning on a journey. There were, there were things that I came across that I was not expecting to find. There were subjects that I was tackling that I was not expecting to tackle. Um, you know, when I, when I look at revival, I was I'm looking at, you know, personalities, individuals that were flashpoints, a, people that were very strong personalities like Paul. Like if I continued on, I would find another, you know, Peter in the first, second, third century. I'd find another apostle Paul in the fifth century, sixth century, whatever, right? So I'd find these individuals. I'd be able to follow them. I'd be able to follow their history, be able to talk about what they did um, and how people responded. But what I ended up finding in some cases was scenarios where individuals ended up confronting cultural boundaries or 
um, uh, societies that were not willing to receive the gospel, that were leaders that had benefited from those sinful societies, were actually aggressively against the move of God taking place in their area. And of course, I believe that there's a lot of spiritual elements that are a part of that as well. Case in point, I did not expect to accidentally arrive in Assos where we ended up you know, confronting the whole idea of homosexual homosexuality. Um, there we found a deity or deities, as it were, um, that were um, homosexual. It was a part not just of their lifestyle, their culture, their society. It was a part of their deeply held, long-rooted beliefs. So you're not just offending their cultural identity. You're, a, you're, you're. When you start preaching the gospel or sharing it in the way that Paul did, you are, you know, challenging their religion. And so I didn't expect to see that. I didn't expect to confront that. I mean, the idea of what we are looking at, like right now I'm talking to you from, from Sweden, right? Sweden, there are all these different priests that have you know, already altered their understanding of the Bible as it relates to homosexuality. Okay, well, that is a theological argument that we can go toe-to-toe on. I didn't expect that to be a part of chasing revival journey. Does that make sense? Like, it, where does that fall in on following revival? And yet, there it was, and we, we covered it. But isn't that kind of the point, that, that we can kind of, I don't know if this is the right word, romanticize previous revivals, and we assume that, you know, things weren't that bad in that society, and things are so much worse now, so it's so much more difficult for revival to happen now, and and if, if people then were living the way we do now, then it maybe wouldn't have happened. And I think when you face or you discuss um, issues like that, that we experience now in our society, that they also experienced in societies where revival broke out, suddenly it's not so far out of reach. And actually, we kind of run out of excuses. And the only thing that we do then is we kind of have to turn around and, and look at ourselves and what we're doing. Sense? Yes, it absolutely does. And um, just a really quick question, because, you know, this Bible study has three different parts to it that can mostly stand independently, all except for one part. So, for instance, one part is the 61-day Bible study. That is a, is a booklet that you can actually go through day by day, uh, independent from everything else. Just with the book alone, you can go through the Bible study. There is a nine-part video series that right now is on Right Now Media. And many people that see it on Right Now Media go through the series by itself without the devotional book. So it's just nine videos that they watch. So you can go through the videos independently. You can go through the book independently. But then there's a workbook that very few people have used. And it's mainly my fault. Like I haven't, we're so bad. We're, We're really good at initiative, really bad at like carrying things out. Um, so once, and this is also a disease that I have, I I do it every time I write a book, once I'm done writing the book and it goes to the editor, I'm done. Like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear from it. I don't want to touch it. I, there's so many author friends that I have and 
once they put out a book, they'll, you know, they'll share it in every single way, advertise it in every single way. I find it hard to even advertise. I say that while I'm advertising this Bible study, but I, I do honestly have to gather up the strength to talk about that subject again, because I feel like, you know, that's kind of done and over with. But this book, or this series, I should say, has the workbook that kind of bridges the videos together with the devotional. And we didn't do a good job sharing about it. So most people that have gotten the book, gone through the book, weren't really aware that there were videos. But when they did find out there were videos, then they went with the videos as well. But even those that have done the devotional and the videos did not know that there was a workbook that went along with it. What was your experience using the workbook? Was that helpful? Was it not helpful? Be free. <laughs> Dude, feel free to say that it wasn't helpful. You know I would. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think you can read something like the devotional on its own, uh, and even with the videos, and you can, um, you can enjoy it without, <laughs> without kind of forcing yourself to look at how it's going to relate to you. So I think what the workbook does is it, it breaks down every day, uh, or each day, I should say, into a way where you are kind of forced to think through what you've read and kind of dig a little deeper on your own into what's been said. And it stops becoming just, oh, let me just read something that someone else has written. And I think it becomes kind of a personal uh, study then that you can work through. And I think that you really need those prompts that are in the workbook. Yeah, I love, there was a, there was a guy that I have not talked with him before or since that I just feel God ordained to bring him in for this moment in time because what he did with that workbook was just spiritual. I mean, it really was special. I was so excited about that. I'm saddened that I didn't have the discipline to follow through to get the book, uh, to get the workbook to be more integrated. But that's something that you're doing right now. We are now making this study available for people for free around the world uh, in bite-sized segments. Can you share a little bit about that? Because you're the one that's actually putting it together right now for every day for people around the world. Yeah, I think like we're saying, even though we want people to go to the workbook and then go to the devotional and then go to the video, not everybody is going to want to do that. And it's not always easy to do that every single day, right? To go to three different sources. And so I think what we wanted to do now having this devotional out the way we're doing it on the website is to bring all three things together in one place so that you know if it's a day 10 you go into day 10 and you've got the video there you've got the content from the devotional and you have something from the workbook so everything is in one place and um, much more uh, easy to access and this is one of the things that i have wanted to do for you know kind of a, a, a while uh, once the the bible study's been out for a while. it hasn't been out that long it's been out for a couple of years but i i kind of had that in the back of my mind that one day it'd be great to have this compiled in a way where people can digest it consume it in one location one place 
And now we have that. So if you are not following us on Back to Jerusalem on our Facebook page, if you're not following us or me, Eugene Bach, on my Facebook page, or even just going to our website. If you go to our website right now, there on the website, you will see backtojerusalem.com. You will see this, the big banner comes up the very first thing, and then a it'll say daily devotional. It shows a picture of, of uh, Jerusalem, and it says click here for more info. If you click that, what it does is it takes you to backtojerusalem.com slash daily. And I have a small, quick video, about a minute long, where I briefly introduce this video. And right now, as we're doing this recording, is day seven. By the time you listen to this podcast, um, it will, you know, who knows what day we'll be on. We got two months of material. You've got a few weeks of probably being locked up at home. Come on and join us. Use this time to jump into God's word, see how revival has gone around the world, starting in Acts chapter one on the Mount of Olives, and what is going to happen before the Lord returns. One of the things that is going around right now with the coronavirus is so many people saying, is this a sign of the end times? Is this the beginning of the Armageddon? Is this the beginning of the tribulation? Well, what is important about this study is we tell you exactly when the return of the Messiah will be. Matthew 24, 14 is so extremely important for us, and it's what we cover in the Chasing Revival series. Uh, I think... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just thinking as well, I don't know if you've seen, um, you've seen over social media, there's so much, I don't know if it's a trend going around, but everybody's using this word reset, right? Like in people are quarantined, people are locked up, and... Everybody's saying, especially in the Christian circle, it's a time to reset. And I just think, I mean, I know we're biased, but I just think that this study is is an example of resetting, of of recalibrating what it means to be not only a follower of Christ, but a disciple of Christ and, and the responsibility we have as a disciple of Christ and that actually we can look at the lives of those in, in Acts and then beyond people that have... have been involved in revivals and we can see the things that are kind of required of us to get back to basics and recognize that, you know, we have a responsibility to to a world that needs the hope of Christ, whether that's on your doorstep or on the other side of the world. I think that's, I've done this study, I don't know, maybe three or four times all the way through. And that's the one thing that every single time I get out of it is that kind of recalibration of, of what it means to be a follower of Christ and um, and what God requires of us in that. And I think that now is a great time as ever to get involved in the city that can do that. Yeah, I've been hearing that a lot as well, reset. Um, you know, the, <laughs> whenever my, my computer locks up, right? You know, it's like uh, yeah. my, it, the first thing that you need to do is turn the power off and back on again. You go through this whole reset. And actually, when, you're, when your computer boots up, you go through this kind of reset process where if something was wrong or there was a bug or there was a glitch or something made the computer hang for a long time on one single process, like a, a record player skipping and skipping and skipping, this is a way to do a reset, hit that reset button. And no, I think, yeah. that, I think that this is really great. Also, you know, if you go through the Old Testament, one of the things that you find is a pattern. You find a pattern in the failure of man. 
you find a pattern in the the grace of God. You 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 find a pattern in the selfishness of man and the givingness of God. It, this pattern repeats repeats itself, you know, over and over and over. And sometimes we can think, well, these are just messages, you know, meant to teach us something, uh, you know, metaphorical. And I think that the Bible has been taught as a as an analogy for so long, as a metaphor for so long, that we forget that it's real. These stories are real. The lep- those that were inf- afflicted with leprosy were real. They, 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 these are miracles that really happened. Of course, they can teach us many l- different lessons on many different levels, but that doesn't take away from the fact that they really oh. happened. And so by going through the church history that took place after the Bible, we still continue to get to see those cycles of where there was a kind of reset from time to time where God kind of put a stop to certain activities and things had to be reset. I think that's a really good way to put it. So right now, if you want access to this Bible study, backtojerusalem.com slash daily or follow us on social media. Thank you so much, Bethany, for all of your hard work putting this together, the Bible study, the workbook questions, the videos. Huge, huge blessing. I've had the best time doing it. My pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you later. Okay. Bless all right. you. All right. God bless you. And thank you so much for downloading this Back to Jerusalem podcast again. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. God bless you.